Hello and welcome to the I'm Walking Here podcast. Come and listen to some idiots talk about sports and give their takes for a while. Welcome to an episode of I'm Walking Here. I'm your resident muscle, as always, Ian Cusick, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, the New Yorker, Bryce Olds. How you doing tonight, Bryce? <laughs> Ian got so mad at our technical difficulties, he counted down from three instead of five. I did, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had a little trouble. We got Dave on now. What's again. Up? How you doing tonight, Dave? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks Good for having me again. Glad to have you back on. It's been a... We had a this conversation. Months. We had this conversation, but it was in an outtake, Bryce, because of technical issues. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, we got basketball to discuss. So Yes, we do have basketball to discuss. So we're going to start this off with uh, the Western Conference Finals, as that's already been determined. And to the shock of literally everybody, the Golden State Warriors are going to the NBA Finals. Yeah, I'm just so surprised. I, I didn't see this coming. Yeah, it seemed with, like, how many guys on the All-NBA roster this season? I think, well, I think they had two. Oh, they only had two this year? This year they had two, I believe. Huh. Well, yeah, they had Steph and Katie. Those were their only ones this year. We'll get to that eventually. Yeah, we'll, we've got that to talk later, but, um, yes, the Warriors slept swept the Trailblazers, and... I don't know. What 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 are you guys' reactions to that? Because I, I was surprised it was a sweep. I know I knew they were gonna win. Like everyone knew. Warriors, yeah, they're gonna win. I understood that. But I didn't I thought the Blazers were gonna be able to win like one game at home. Like at least one. Especially that game four. I thought they were gonna win that game four. They it was a must win to keep their season alive. They didn't even have Agadala, so they had like their third string small forward starting and it's just they lost uh, uh it's it's i'm not gonna say it's embarrassing but it's like you gotta win one of these games i know they're shorthanded but you can't lose to the warriors when they're rolling out like mckee and given like bogut minutes like it's 2015 like you can't be losing to those warriors i just think that they were too beat up i know that dame had a pectoral injury. Cantner's playing with one arm. You know, they I just they, and they don't have the kind of the depth that you need to 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 hang with them. I, I I thought they might get one, but I I just you know I don't I don't think the West you know Houston from last year um, that was their best chance of, of beating uh, of beating the Golden State Warriors and, and CP3 goes down. And everyone's like, yeah, it'll be them again. They'll be right back, but they. They lost. They lost guys, you know, and and it's not always going to be. I mean, the, you have to give the Warriors credit. Five years in a row, they've made the finals, and they've done it for the most part with the same guys. But I mean, Jonas Jerebko's going to the finals. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, uh, I, I remember someone on someone on Twitter was like, oh, "You watch, Jonas is going to have the best career season of his life," and I'm like, "He has never been shit. Like, what are you talking about?" But now here he is in the finals because he's playing with two of the best players, three of the best players in the world, you know? So, 
<laughs> you could say that for Zaza too. Like Zaza's sitting there with two rings right now. <laughs> for, you mean uh, soon to be former Pistons Zaza Pachulia? <laughs> soon to be former Pistons Zaza Pachulia. I'll tell you what. That fucking guy. They 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 signed Zaza. I'm like, why? They signed Jose Calderon. I'm like, why? And then, no. but Zaza, look, we played Giannis, and we played him physical, and you bring Zaza in to go into his knee. That's what he does, and he didn't do it. The one thing he was brought in to do, he didn't even do. So bro. fucking get him, get him out of here. Get him Zaza, out. Zaza, they're trying to bring back the bad boy Pistons, bro. Ugh. Bill and Beard. <laughs> it's the new Bill and Beard. I was up the Yeah. <laughs> God, at least Lambeer could shoot a three. Yeah. Lambeer actually had some basketball skill other than, like, hitting people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was not I, – I I, I, the, the fact that they got swept, you know, I, I just didn't think that – I was surprised Denver lost – uh, just because, you know, Dame went off and then CJ went off. But, you know, against the Warriors, these couldn't match, you know, match strengths. And they're, they're gone fishing, as they say. So it's, it is what it is. But it's, you know, I mean, five years in a row for the Warriors, you, what are you going to say? I mean, great system, great players, you know, great coaching. You get some of the best players in the world on one team. And I, it's, it's funny that they're doing it without KD, to be honest. Because their yeah. their 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 pace of play is faster without them, um, and it, it's just it's a very it's a different it, it feels like a different team when he's not there. Oh, so they're they're saying he may come back in the finals now, but he won't be back for game one. So we'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't assume so. You know, I'm you know even though the Blazers did get swept in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm, I'm, I think if I'm a Blazers fan, I'd be happy with this season because they they took on the Thunder, who honestly, I mean, even everybody, like including me, like thought the Thunder were just going to take them out with you know because they didn't have Nursich, Dame hasn't hadn't proved himself in the playoffs at all, and I I just thought the Thunder were going to be able to do it, and then Dame he really stepped up and impressed me. Um, in that first series, he really stepped it up. And then in the second series, he kind of cooled off a little, but they still won. And they still, you know, they still got to the conference finals. And then obviously that was it. But honestly, if I was a Blazers fan, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with this. I think well, this was pretty good. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think Dame... Uh, is up for a uh, max contract, no? Yeah. So I that's so. so you know. I mean, look, Nurkic. That's that's the big piece that was missing. What else are they going to be able to do to surround him with with more talent? Because they they need more. Um, is is going to be enough? This is like the you know, the Rockets fired their defensive uh, coach uh, the other day, and it's like the next year. You know, KD's probably gone, right? I mean, that's just – and Clay might be gone. So, like, yeah. the, the West – the if by getting – I don't know. I, it's hard to overreact. It's like – it honestly reminds me a lot of what Toronto did. They blew it up. They got rid of Dwayne Casey. You lost to LeBron. Everybody loses to LeBron. That's just how it was in the East. You know, like, you're going to revamp your entire team for a guy that left conferences now? 
So, you know, and again, I, I'm not disagreeing with getting Kawhi and the moves they make and all those things, but it just seems extreme to be like the best team in the world for the last five years just beat us, and they may not be as good next year, so maybe we should bring the band back together and make another run. I don't know. That seems like that, that makes a lot more sense to me than let's revamp everything and the lands. This offseason is going to be very interesting between. Yeah. The draft and the all the free agents and the cap space. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. That's going to there are going to be teams. I mean, look at New Orleans, man. Like that could, that could be a team with Zion if they keep Davis or trade him and get a bunch of you know good assets or whatever. I mean, that, there's just teams that are from where, even Boston from where they are today to where they're going to be at the start of next season and even going into the trade deadline next year. They could be completely different teams. We won't even recognize them. I like your optimism, Dave, because I'm not sure most of Boston fans are that optimistic going into that. Season, They're not. But, no, uh, I don't. I don't see the Celtics having their. They're not going to get their cake and eat it too. They. I mean, the best case scenario is keep Kyrie, get AD, but I don't see AD. Maybe Kyrie. I'm going to highly doubt he comes back. He doesn't have a reason to. I. I that's just not who he is as a person. I don't think, based on what we've seen. Um, I mean, before that Buck series, I was pretty in the boat. Like, yeah, I think he's going to come back. He likes it here. He wants to win here. After that series where, you know, he was just mentally checked out, not playing good basketball, shooting 7 of 25 from the field or something like that. I don't. I, I think he knows that he's gonna have some. He's gonna have a better option elsewhere. And I know you said this a few episodes when we were talking about this with Cat. Um, he doesn't. He wanted to be the number one man, but he doesn't have what it really takes to be the number one man. Not yet, anyway. Right. Not yet. Um, he's kind of. I don't know. Kyrie is an entity that. No one really knows what's going to happen with Kyrie, man. I mean, he's just he—he's certainly um, something else. Yeah, I don't—I don't think—I don't think he stays. Um, I could be wrong. I just don't think he stays. In terms and of, all right. I—I well, I, I, I mean, you know, you, again, if he ends up in LA, let's say he goes and plays with LeBron, and they. They've got cap space next year, right? They had all these one-year one year deals. That could be a totally different roster next year. Now, you know, I I have zero faith that the Lakers know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, that's not they, and that yeah. that's not just because of, you know, you know, Magic Johnson was brought in to be whatever he was gonna be, and, and that's fine. But I, look, they made they, they they wasted a year of his career. They wasted it. Yeah. I think it was. I think it's pretty funny that remember all that stuff at the deadline with Magic and the Pelicans. Yeah. How the Pelicans GM at the time just wouldn't do the trade Magic was authoring. None of those GMs are employed right now. Nope. The Pelicans GM got fired and Magic left. So yeah, wonder how it was. It was a shitty situation, though. I mean. You know, I thought that the, the way that they handled it, that it was, I handled it for shit. 
he pulled off full clippers back then. Basically, was running that show, but yeah, we'll give you our best player and take nothing in a shame. It's just, I don't know. I thought it was, thought it was a shame for. I stood on Twitter arguing with me that him, uh, Rob Plink was a genius and you know I need to back off and I'm like what the fuck has that guy ever done? He was an agent. He was an agent. That's a general manager. That's an agent. Like stop. Just stop. Like he hasn't proven shit. He's, like, he's built a good path for them. I'm like, how, much, how many more years do you think LeBron's going to play? He wasted one. He wasted next two, and then LeBron retires. He's like, we're set up for the long haul with this. And I'm like, yeah, without LeBron, you dumbass. Like, what? I, it just it seems like a waste. He's like, Ty Lue, that show Rob Polinka had a path. He has a stick. Like, dude, you're stuck with a fucking vocal as your and Jason Kidd, who couldn't do shit in Milwaukee. Those are those. Okay. Best of luck to you guys. You, you have to right. I mean, you know, I read something. Uh, I think I read a tweet. They might have been from Shams uh, that said the Jason Kidd hire was like a plot for the future to try and get Giannis. <laughs> Uh, how's that gonna work? Uh, we're gonna have to find out. <laughs> uh, if the Jason Kidd hire turns out to be like, if it, if it successfully lands Giannis, which that's years from now. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be years from now. Especially because, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll get to the reason why later because he's he's due for this massive extension soon, apparently, and uh, we can get to that later, but. Honestly, ha- I'm I'm just amazed that like that that's the thought process someone went through with the Jason Kidd hire. That yeah, okay, we're gonna get Jason Kidd, who you know. Do I do I really need to go in depth about Jason Kidd? Really? No, you don't. Is and that's gonna land Giannis. That that signing is gonna land you Giannis. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really. The math on that doesn't add up. So no, it doesn't. So the Eastern Conference Finals, we don't really got much because it's two two and there's a game active right now. I think the Bucks are up by three at half. Bucks are up by three at half. Yeah, so we're gonna. I think we we can kind of you know glance over it a little because by the time you hear this, uh, things are gonna be way different. Yeah, because we'll be waiting for Game Six to start when this episode starts or when this yeah. episode goes out. So yeah, so. We'll kind of glance over, but the but the uh, we got some new NBA. The twenty eighteen nineteen NBA teams are uh, are out. So what are you gonna start with? How about you start? I don't have the all rookie team started up. So if you get that pulled up, why don't you start with that? So the all rookie first team uh, was Luka Doncic, Trey Young were both unanimous first teamers, as they should be. Uh, DeAndre Ayton. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Marvin Bagley the third. Um, I wonder because DeAndre Ayton had ninety five votes. 
wonder who the five were that didn't give them the first team. Uh, the second team was Shy, Gilligas, Alexander, Colin Sexton, Landry Schmet, or Schmet. I don't remember how to say that. Shamit, yeah. Shamit. Uh, my man, Mitch Robinson, and Kevin Herter. I don't know if people know who that is. He's He plays with the Hawks. So I, I think I agree with this. Uh, all rookie, these all rookie teams. Um, I don't really have a problem with them. I think. Um, see, I saw Kevin Knox and Trier were like, "Oh, we didn't make the rookie teams," and they were upset about that. But I'm like, you know, they didn't really deserve it. I mean, I don't know about Herder, but Trier was certainly not better than. Alexander or Shamat or Sexton and Kevin Knox, ooh, he was not that great, honestly, this year. He needs to improve on some of his game. So I personally don't have a problem with these rookie teams. Well, yeah, no, to- I mean, those those are some pretty solid names. Um, like you said, I want to know who the five that didn't put Aiton as a, a first-team all-rookie because... That just doesn't make sense. I guess those guys voted for Mitch, but Mitch didn't have five first-team votes. <laughs> the I wonder who voted for Kevin. Who the hell voted for Kevin Herter as a first-teamer? Really? There was one. Yeah, he had one first-team vote. <laughs> I think I it's know. interesting. I do think it's interesting, though, and this speaks to draft position. Um, I think more than anything else, but let's go through the teams: Mavs, Hawks, Suns, Grizzlies, Kings. Didn't make the playoffs. Clippers, Cavs, Clippers, Knicks, Hawks. Clippers is the only team that had two two rookies that made the playoffs that made this team as well. So yeah. if I'm if I'm looking at let's say I'm a free agent and I'm looking at who has the best young talent, you got two two guys on this team that are you know good up and coming up and coming players or at least did well their their freshman year so to speak. Yeah, they're top ten rookies. Yeah. I mean, Alexander had 40 first-team votes. And Alexander definitely would have been a first-teamer, but obviously, you know, Doncic and Trey had yep. great years. I did think of the guys that were not first or second team, I think it's hard to make a case for any of those guys to be included in, yeah. you know, on the first team for sure. And even on the second team, I mean, I, I am, you know, just this fan. Bruce was our second round pick. Uh, I think due to injury out of Miami, he ended up, you know, dropping into the second round. So the Pistons really did get borderline or first round type of talent. And he was asked to guard the hardest, you know, he was asked every game once he became a starter to guard the toughest assignment in every single game that he played. Uh, so, Offensively, he has work to do on his game. That's why I would never even consider putting him on first or second team. But as a Pistons fan, he's actually somebody that I'm like, yeah, we actually we actually had a good <laughs> we actually made a good pick for once, and and he actually did produce. Now again, offensively, we were challenged this year, but I was I was it was nice to see him develop after watching so few of our rookies do shit over the last several years. All right. I got the defensive team. I've got up. defense pulled up right now too. So, so do, do you want to read it? Yeah, or I'll, I'll read them off. All right. So, All right. um, 
the 2018-19 NBA All-Defensive First Team, uh, Rudy Gobert from Utah is the center. He got 97 first-team votes. vote for him? <laughs> so he had 97 first-team votes and two second-team votes. That means that there was one person who didn't have him on his ballot on their ballot period, which I don't even um, understand. That's ridiculous. And the same thing for the for the next forward. Oh wow! Both forwards also one person left them off their ballot because you have Paul George with ninety six first team votes and three second team votes, followed by Giannis with ninety four first team votes and five second team votes. I don't know how. How does that happen? I, it makes me makes me wonder if they only had ninety nine voters, maybe, but like, why not just a cool round of hundred? No, they definitely have a hundred. In case there's a tie, odd number. I guess so. I mean, but that's why they have like the whole total point system where it's like two for a first team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a hundred rookie team, all rookie team voters, because Trey Young and Doncic both had a hundred votes. Hmm. Maybe they forgot. I heard that the I heard I was listening to uh, Windhorse's pod and he was talking about they actually went through and discussed the different you know different teams and players and votes and apparently it's like an online system of some kind and they said like they basically could see someone fucking this up like just skipping something or whatever so you know let's chalk it up to a bad user interface I don't know but maybe maybe that's, maybe that's how it is I guess. They said basically once you skip it, you can't go back or something. So you have to like, I think you have to like write to whatever accounting firm or whoever did the actual thing. And I'm sure they probably was like, you know what? It's, it, you know what I mean? Who cares? Like, let's just keep going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like it's a tiebreaker or anything because, you know, 97 first team votes. That's still absurd regardless. It doesn't really matter if it's 97, 98, 99, or 100. Um, but it does make you wonder what if they didn't if, if they didn't vote because of spite or some shitty reason, or if they just said I'm not casting a vote for this because of or this person for some stupid personal reason. You know, uh, Westbrook had his whole next question thing, and you know who knows, right? But like to your point, I think if you can't if you're gonna, I, I do have a problem with some of that. If, if you do have the option and you don't vote. And and you do it on purpose. It's a dick move. You, you're given a privilege. You should vote. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on to the guards for the first team. Uh, the first guard is my guy Marcus Smart. I'm super psyched for him. Glad he finally got onto the all defensive first team. I believe this is his first all defensive uh, selection. So I'm very happy for him. And then he'll uh, be crawfish soon. Not even going to justify that with a response. Uh, and then wrapping up the first team is Eric Bledsoe from Milwaukee. Uh, second team, you got Drew Holiday from New Orleans, Clay Thompson from Golden State, Joel Embiid from Philadelphia, Draymond Green from Golden State, and Kawhi from Toronto. Yeah, not to, not to, not to mix Joel Embiid up from Joel Embiid from Alaska. I mean, you know, hey, maybe there is a Joel Embiid out there. Don't want. I don't understand. Okay, I, I don't really mind these these teams. I think they're fine. I just want to meet the guy who gave Steph Curry a first team vote. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I I had the same 
I had a similar inquiry about like, that. Dave, we I talked about this with Dave a little bit in DMs. Like Andre Drummond and Mitch Robinson were probably two of the better rim protectors in the league. They, none of them got a vote. They didn't get a vote. But someone who is a professional paid sports writer, they do this for a living, watched Steph Curry this year and said he's a first-team all-defensive player. And that's what's hilarious because that's the only vote he got. He didn't get any yeah, second-team votes. Yeah, he didn't votes. get any other second-team vote. He didn't get one second-team vote. One first-team vote. That's a job. That's, that's unbelievable. Someone is paid to do this, and that's what they did. I mean, James Harden got two first-team votes, too, but, I mean, that's... I don't think that's egregious as Curry. No, that's not as egregious as Curry. I don't understand. Who the hell... I, I thought... So, just going back to your point about um, about guys that... You know, I think Drummond got some second-team votes, like two. Uh, uh, Drummond did get some second-team votes. I saw his name on the list somewhere. He's, he's down towards the bottom. He's the top defensive rebounder in the league, and part of that is scheme. You know, you got four guys on the perimeter or, or spread out guarding the three. He's the big guy down down low. Sure, his number of double doubles this season, uh, his number of games with five blocks this season. Uh, you know, he gets a really shitty rap, and I, I you know, half of Pistons twit. Well, maybe not half, but there's. In Detroit sports radio, they want to basically trade Drummond, trade Blake, and Tank, and trust the process and just start over. It's like Philly didn't win shit this year. I hate to say it. They didn't make the conference finals. They lost. The process failed. And now they're going to be busted up over the summer, and that team may never be what they thought. And people in Detroit are like, get rid of Drummond. He's a bum. Look, the guy had the guy had a, a deviated septum. He got it fixed in his energy level, especially once Blake went out. Uh, you know, to make the playoff push they did. He was incredible. And people are giving him shit. His last home playoff game, he was terrible. Sorry, the first home playoff game, he was terrible. He was flat-out terrible, and people were booing him. And I'm like, what do you think that's going to (laughs) do? Like, if if this guy, he he brought it all season long. He's playing against Brooke Lopez and Giannis, who are double-teaming him in the post. What do you think he's going to do if you boo him? He's going to get angry and play better. That's not how that works. And I thought it was just it was a shitty experience, to be honest. Like, I still had a good time going back to Detroit for the game and all that, but I think he's underrated. And, um, you know, effectively like said, the fact that Steph got a first-team vote and someone that had that led the league, he was top eight in steals, top eight in blocks, and number one in defensive rebounds, and he gets two second-team votes. And Steph's nowhere to be found in any of that shit, and he gets a first-team? Come on. That's just silly. It's ridiculous. It really, it's. I honestly think it, that guy puts Steph in for a first team as just like, as like a shit post sort of vote. Like he didn't actually, he he knew I, it wasn't serious. Okay, but like why? I don't. I don't the know. why are you even on the panel? You know what I mean? You like know, like this is it, it doesn't make sense. It does. It does not It'll make not sense. Be. So now we have probably the most important of um. Of the teams, the uh, the all team, the all NBA teams. Uh, so the first team was Steph Curry, James Harden, Giannis, Jokic, and PG. I agree with that. I think that's an accurate uh, first team. I don't. I maybe would have put KD in, but I can see why PG got a, got the first team nod. Uh, the second team was Dame, KD, 
Embiid, Kawhi, and Kyrie, which is horrible news for you, Ian. That is very bad news. You know what? That is very bad news for you. You know what? It is what it is. And the third team was Westbrook, Blake, LeBron, Gobert, and Kemba. Um, I I think I'm pretty okay with these. I mean, I think I don't really have an issue with them. I think most of these players are fine. Uh, I think most of the selections are pretty solid based on the seasons they all had. Um, I don't really have a problem with this list. This really does put a... This puts a lot of teams in a tough spot, though. Like, the Hornets, there's no way they get Kemba back now. Because he can have a Supermax. Um, Kyrie, he's eligible for a Supermax. And uh, he's going to ask for it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, Well, even Dame. Dame is due for one. Um, I think that those are like the only three, I think. So, um, Kawhi, too. Yeah, just for Kawhi. Kawhi can ask for one now, too. Uh, for next summer, I saw this one tweet on the timeline. I don't remember who posted it onto my timeline, but, um, because this is his second straight season, uh, being all NBA, uh, for next summer, so 2020. Giannis is going to be eligible to sign the largest contract in NBA history. It's going to be a five-year extension starting for the 2021-22 season worth $247.3 million. I would do it if I'm the Bucks. Oh, yeah, for sure. But here's here's where... So the annual cap hits, $42.6 million, $46, and for the last year of the extension 56.3 million dollars he's worth it he's worth that if you're the book you have to do it i i, you, I agree i mean you're gonna you pay can't him, lose that you can't lose you're gonna pay one of the best big men in the nba a quarter of a billion dollars over the next five or six years that's that's something you gotta do just gotta do that well, it's twenty five too, right? So you're not talking yeah, about. True, true. I mean, it'll be twenty six when that when this happens. So I just don't understand why. And I don't know. This is um, if this was done as part of their uh, collective bargaining or what. Why does it go from least to most amount? I would rather flip that around and pay him the most now while he still has shit in the tank. And not that like, not that forty million dollars a year isn't nothing in year five. If they were to flip it. But it just seems crazy that as a guy gets older, you pay him more for in a sport where that's not the trend is that they the body holds up. And, you know, what I mean, like it just seems backwards to me. But um, but, yeah, I think he's worth it. I mean, you have to if you're Milwaukee, you have to do it. Yeah, you have to. There's... I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to let him walk? Yeah. Well, Milwaukee is, you know, they've, they've become, you know, even though you look at the rest of that team and. You know they're like Detroit. They're not going to land a marquee free agent. It's just not. It's not that market. You know, and I'm hoping that the culture, the new arena, the practice facilities, and but it's still Milwaukee, man. You ever been in Milwaukee? Uh yeah, no. a few times. I got family yeah. in Wisconsin, so yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It's not the worst place in the world, but it's not Chicago. It's not L.A. It's not New York or Boston. Oh, it's definitely not. not. 
it's not I would it's not a top fifteen market as far as I'm concerned. No, it's actually pretty low on the sports markets. It is a very it's not a very big. They market. don't got it's, they don't got much to do, man. I mean, it's it's Milwaukee. I just I think that like when you look at like there are destination cities in Milwaukee and, and Detroit are just not those places why we traded to get Blake because we could never sign him in free agency, you know? So if they have the chance to do it and he's willing to take that money, man, you, you have to do it. You have to. I think, I think we can move on to our next, uh, our next thing. Yeah, I think we can. So, uh, some news from the college sports scene. Um, if you remember a while ago, I mean, this was back when we were just starting. I'm walking here. We discussed paying the athletes, and just like, you know, literally everyone at some point has discussed this at some point if they care about sports or any any of that stuff. Um, and a big thing that's really sparked this discussion about paying the athletes has been uh, EA's NCAA sports games, mainly NCAA football. I believe they did have a basketball game though, and that's how, I think that's what yes. actually sparked this whole uh, paying the athletes for their likeness in these video games. Um, so The twins from UCLA. That's soon. Yeah, that's right. So um, EA hasn't made an NCAA game since 2013 when they made NCAA Football 14, which, iconic game, still sells for like 80 bucks on Amazon right now, which is why I'll probably never wind up getting it, because you will not catch me spending that much on a game that's five years old, but, you know, I digress. There is talks in the NCAA of trying to figure out a way to get that so EA can start producing these games again while finding a way to compensate the players for use of their likeness. You want to expand on that a little further, Bryce? Um, I mean, I think it's a move that needs to be made. I think <laughs> if you're going to... I said this a lot with Trey Young when he was, like, you know, the thing last year in college for a long time. He was, like, ESPN, you know, they'd run all these ads involving Trey Young and all that stuff, and they just promote all these Oklahoma games, and they put them on ESPN because everybody wanted to watch Trey Young. Trey Young didn't get a dime of that money. Trey Young didn't get paid for any of that. I think players that, if you're going to use their likeness in anything, a game... Uh, if you're going to promote a, a game like a, a a matchup on ESPN or something like that, they should get paid for that. I, I believe that. I think they deserve. If you're going to exploit their likeness to get more viewership, like with Zion this year, Zion was everywhere. And yeah, Zion probably got paid by Duke, so we probably didn't care that much. But still, I, I think the NCAA, if like. I honestly think it would help um, a little bit with the scandals if they would just allow athletes to get paid. If they allowed athletes, collegiate athletes to get paid, you probably wouldn't have scandal problems. Or at least not to the degree that we have them now. I mean, there'd probably be less of an incentive for 
schools to be paying athletes like that if they can well i guess it would be less of an incentive to do like under the table deal sort of things if they could just do it legally yeah well, they you saw what happened with adidas with all of the you know louisville and all the adidas basketball schools of course and i, th- um, I mean and why not I, let I was just talking, that? well i was just talking about this because uh, with 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 uh, someone because i was like you know, it sucks because the kid, the one who's out there actually doing the work, that's actually putting in the time in the gym, in the weight room, off seasons, you know, working on their craft, uh, they're doing this under this guise that they're getting an education. And uh, the Bill Simmons uh, interviewed Adam Silver. There was a, a sports analytics conference in, in, in New York City. And he brought up a very interesting point around, you know, Essentially, it was around the amateurism thing, and the NCAA had announced we're thinking about getting rid of one and done, and they, they wanted to leave it up to the NBA, and they're basically throwing, you know, trying to figure out. Look, this is the reality of, of college athletics, especially at, at the, the top programs. It is the G League in basketball. It is the NFL feeder program, unpaid. Uh, you know, it, that's what it is. It feeds into professional sports. And the NCAA hired the shitbag lawyer back in the day to define amateurism. I think this piece of shit defended William Morris at some point, or uh, sorry, Philip Morris around cigarettes, right? This guy's a scumbag. Uh, So this guy was brought in specifically to figure out how do we get these kids to work for free? And they dangled the athletic scholarship, which, you know, uh, the one and done's that's, that's useless. And during the Adam Silver interview, they talked about, and Bill Simmons threw out there, he said, what if we got, what if you had, you know, what if you threw a couple hundred million dollars or $20 million or whatever into the G League teams, into each team? And that becomes the path for these, these young men to go from high school to playing, to also get an education and learn about managing their finances, how to be a professional. Like they would actually get an education out of it, not just basketball. And that to me is where the NCAA is kind of like cooking them. They're, they're really cooking themselves. So if they're going to not do something about it. Somebody else, this is, you know, it's America, it's capitalism. Someone's going to step in and start paying these kids that's in a legal way while still providing them with the opportunity to get to the league. And the NBA is the only one really in my mind, unless the NCAA changes their mind to do so. So it's a slippery slope because how many guys are just going to walk on an education? If the NBA's got their own TV rights and their own TV deals, you can watch the G League and stream it on your phone and shit right now for free. So I just think, you know, it's a challenging thing. But it's, I mean, if I'm the NBA, I'm looking at those are ad dollars. If my G League is better, if my G League teams are better than the best college teams, I'm going to attract more ad dollars. So it's going to happen. They're going to get paid one way or another. It's just a matter of who's going to pay them and under what capacity in a legal way. But the whole definition of being an amateur when it's a multi-billion dollar business is bullshit. It's like having an unpaid internship is bullshit. I'm sorry. You're I working, think, you get paid. I think the biggest problem, I think the NBA is going to be the the league that like makes the NCAA change their rules for basketball. But my problem is that's Adam Silver, and that's the NBA is a lot different than the other big monster company that is the NFL. The NFL is not going to do anything about this because the NFL is benefiting 
majorly from the system they have with the NCAA. And I don't think they're really – the NBA might be inclined to change things with the NCAA and how they do things, but the NFL's not. No, why the, would NFL they? Has, the NFL has a stranglehold. Uh, and this is why, you know, they keep – I don't know why they go to London every year. It's ridiculous. They don't give a shit about football over there. <laughs> they tried NFL Europe. That shit failed. <laughs> football, yeah. is, football is not baseball, right? The model was the U.S. would go in, we would dist- we'd level your country, but we'd give you baseball. That was how that worked. Yeah, that's how right? World War II worked. Yeah. So the NFL doesn't have that luxury. You can't just show up with – shoulder pads and helmets and start teaching football. The NBA has made itself the most accessible sport in the world right up there with soccer. So for them, for them to say NCAA, who gives a shit? We got pro leagues in every country, including Puerto Rico. We've got, you know, you got, there's so much support for the game itself outside of the U S outside of the college system in the U S the NCAA is not the one calling the shots in the situation from an NBA standpoint. The NFL totally calls the shot on, on football though. There is no other pro football league for these guys to go to. Right. So they're screwed. Yeah. Cause the CFL isn't even close to what the NFL well, it's, is. It's a different game. I was, yeah, no, so Canadian, I was Canadian football is drastically different from regular. Yeah. Football. It's, I think that's the problem too. It's like because in, when you when you look at the other countries for the NBA, it's like maybe the rules are slightly different, but it's still to its core. It's basketball. See, the CFL and the NFL may as well be like NASCAR and golf. I mean, those things are very different. And I think because of that, I think because there isn't really an NFL equivalent or even like a, a minor league equivalent for the NFL that I just think that the football is always going to run through college. I think that's how it's going to be. I don't know if I see that for basketball. I think like that could change. If the NCAA won't, NCAA won't adapt, then maybe it will change for basketball, but for football, it won't ever, it will never change. It'll be interesting to see, especially in the NBA draft, you know, with the players that are taken and the trend that's been, that's been growing for decades now, more and more European, African, you know, players coming in from that didn't, you know, Embiid type guys that are just these freak of natures, or kids that like Luka Doncic that went through the farm system over in Europe, where they they groom the athletes, you know, and they it's set up for basketball in a much different way uh, to be a global sport and to, for the NCAA to not be the ones who are in control. And, you know, quite frankly, as someone whose son, you know, was being recruited to play basketball in college and then got what I consider to be screwed over to some extent, you know, promises made but not fulfilled, the more that that happens and and the more that I've looked around at international opportunities and all that, you know, the college game itself and, and the way that they've structured it for basketball, they're really kind of screwing themselves. Because once the NCAA stops being a major player in all this, and you have got more kids going to Europe and more kids going overseas to play from the states, you know I don't know that they're equipped to start bringing kids over or can compete with the systems that are set up in Europe in particular uh, to to do you know to, to resume business as usual. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But I I do think the kids should get paid. 
they're making, you know, they're especially football, especially for God's sakes, these kids are blowing out their knees and concussions, and I mean, they're they're damaging themselves for lives uh, for the rest of their life. You know, they should get they should get more uh, than you know, one hundred level classes for a year or two before they bolt for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing because that got brought up with Trevor Lawrence this past year. It's like he's like if he entered the draft this year, he'd probably be a top five pick at least. And that's this year, and he's 19 years old, and he has to wait. He has to play two full more seasons in a violent sport. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a concern because, like, you know, what if he regresses over his next two years somehow? And instead, not of even that, it's a potential first round. He tears his ACL. Like, yeah, well, he, I mean, there's the injury, injury risk, to a the risk that he just isn't. Yeah. You know it. If you have to wait another two years, you could go from being, you know, a perennial first-round pick to not even making the league at all. I mean, well, the, I don't think it's going to be that dramatic if it does happen because, you know, the, Trevor Lawrence is clearly a talented quarterback, and he's going to – some team's definitely going to go for him. I don't know who's going to be in dire need of a quarterback in two years based on quarterback situations right now. Uh, I mean – We'll see what happens, but of course. I guarantee you, right now, if, if Trevor Lawrence was in the draft this year, he would have went top five, and he's a nineteen-year-old. Probably, he could be, be top five pick right now. But the rules, and I don't think they'll ever change. State he has to play two more years. Well, look at if you look at any other profession, literally any other profession, it's not that way. No, of course not. So, so the fact that this is like somehow different and I understand the age and the size and all those things but if you're a skill position player let's say or you know a quarterback receiver whatever fast is fast <laughs> catching is catching running is running it's not like you're being asked to be in the trenches and even then shit I've seen some kids 6'5", 270 they're as big as NFL guys in high school some of these kids are you know they may not have the strength of the or, or the coaching, but it just to me it's it's a big sh- it's a sham. It's a sham. These kids should get paid. Yeah. You know, but you said the NFL is in a position; they're a monopoly. They're the only game in town. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about. I think the three-year rule for the sake of football is good, just for like developmental purposes. But I, I definitely agree that they should be getting paid. I think in general it's good, but in the case of somebody like. A Tua or a Trevor Lawrence. It, there should be a process is. where you could appeal it. Maybe they have to. No, actually, I like that idea. I like the I like the idea of appealing it. So I like, keep the three year rule for general purposes, but then like after your second year, if you've been like if you've proven that like you know, you're a like you're highly talented. You're talented. Well, as a high school coach, I, if I had a freshman that I thought was really good. And would deserve to be on varsity. Uh, it didn't matter what the sport was. There was a series of tests that the state came up with that that kid had to pass, boy or girl, didn't matter. And if a girl wanted to play boys' sports, she had to pass the test as a boy. So why is it if, if they can do this in high school from a fourteen-year-old playing against potentially nineteen-year-olds? That's a huge difference in age, right? If you're a freshman playing against a senior. Why is it any different to go from 20 to 22 or 19 to 20? If the kid is a freak athlete and should be getting paid for it, 
let them test in or test out or whatever, you know, let them test out. Develop a, set, a series of standards. If they can do X, Y, and Z and they can meet these criteria, you make the league. And then you, then it's up to the team that drafts you to take the risk of playing you right away or developing you. But I just, I yeah, don't know. That makes, I, that makes a lot of sense. They have it everywhere else. It's just this goofy NCAA. You know, that, and it's, it is goofy. So the organization that wants all the money and none of the responsibility. Yeah. yeah <laughs> where, that, where does that exist anywhere else in life? <laughs> Never. FIFA, but that's it. You see, yeah. most places make sense, unlike the NCAA. So, I just like to think they make sense. But oh, it's a sham. You get kids that want to transfer, and the school has a say in it. That doesn't happen anywhere else. If I didn't play a sport and I wanted to leave the school, I don't have to get permission from anybody. I just leave. If I want to quit my job, I'm an at-will employer slash employee. I leave. Likewise, if they want to fire me or cut me, they can do the same thing. So it's just it's it's a it's a ridiculous and the whole amateurism thing that piece of shit that negotiated this and won this case, like it's got to go. It's time. It's got to go. It's not amateur. I think personally, I see it like this: like if you're gonna if if somebody is making billions of dollars off of you playing, it's not amateur sports. Nope. If there's betting, if there's billions of dollars going through betting and somebody's making billions of dollars off of your business, it's not it's not amateur sports. You can maybe play it off like it is because you're not paying the athletes, but it's not. It's not amateur sports. There's, this is a billion-dollar industry. This is not amateur. Speaking of billion-dollar industries, uh, we have some. We have like one NFL thing to talk about. Yeah, just one NFL thing to talk about, and it's not a huge, huge thing, but it has been a very, very big source of discussion. Um, as long as I can remember, if we're being honest, but um, it, it's become a lot more uh, of discussion as of recent. So. NFL overtime has been the subject of controversy for forever, really. As, as long as football's really been around, they haven't really been able to get overtime quite right. Um, so it used to be first team to score wins. All right. Well, still technically um, is that way. Well, not 100%, because you could score on a field goal and that would be game. And then back in, like, 2012, was it? 2012? Uh, seven or so years ago, they changed it so that if a team kicks a field goal in the first possession of overtime, the other team gets a chance to score. But, you know, touchdown, safety, pick six, whatnot. I guess a pick six is still a touchdown, so. You know, if it if they're, a touchdown or anything like that is scored, the game's still over. And, you know, it was an improvement to most people. But um, as of recent, there's, you know, been some times where there's been some key moments where, uh, you know, the first team will score a touchdown, game will be over. You know, you got Super Bowl 51, Patriots win on a, a James White two-yard touchdown run. And then uh, you got this past AFC Championship, Patriots win on a five-yard run from Rex Burkhead. But those were all the first... Uh, 
first drives of overtime. So, you know, the Falcons, the Chiefs, they never got their chance to uh, get on offense and try to score and keep him in the game. So, at uh, an annual meeting for the NFL and coaches, owners, uh, they the Chiefs proposed a rule that they'd go to a more fair overtime rule set where uh, both teams get a chance to get the ball, even if the first team scores a touchdown. The other team gets a chance to, you know, score a touchdown, keep them in the game. I don't know if they've actually voted on it yet or if it was just it's been proposed so far and it's not expected to uh, pass, but it's look it's not looking good for this uh, proposal. And I'm trying to find... I'm going to have to go back a bit to find this, but, uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, so it's not expected to, uh, be approved by the owners, but, um, I don't know, Bryce, do you have anything to say about that, or? I think, I, I've never liked how overtime worked. Um, I think the changes they did make, um, were, I mean, it was better because, I mean, you could win the game on a field goal on your first possession. And that was just, <laughs> that was bad. So I think they're, every time, I think based on what they've done in their last rule change, they did make it slightly better. But like, the it's funny that you brought up those two times. As I mean, those, the, those are the two times, because I remember those are the two times that people complained the most. Maybe it was because it was the Patriots winning. Maybe it was just because... No, there's another thing that I don't think you might realize. Both of those times, the other team had the MVP of the league That's on their true. team. And they didn't get to go on the field in overtime. That's true. I think, I think thinking about that, and it's just like both of those examples, both of the other teams had the MVP of the league and didn't get to go on the field. And it's just, that doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't sit right with me. I mean, I understand, like, why people don't like the rule. But at the same time, just play defense. You know, the Chiefs had a historically bad defense this season. So It's uh, not just it's... Deep. I mean, you got to understand, that the MVP of the league is not a defense, man. I know, I know. It could have been. It could have been. I blame wrong. Andy Reid. I blame Andy Reid and that goddamn conservative play calling of not putting Patrick Mahomes on defense. No. Um, but, <laughs> I think I don't, have a pro- I don't have a problem with uh, – if, look, there were – the game is set up, it's it's violent and brutal enough, and you only have a, a limited span of time in which you can do it. And so adding and adding and adding and adding and another chance, another chance, another chance. How about this? Get a better offensive coordinator. Get a better defensive coordinator. Draft better. Build your team better. Execute better. Why give them extra time to prove that they suck or that they should have won it three quarters ago or at the end of the last quarter, I, I actually, you know, I don't, I don't hate the fact that a field goal ended the game. It was over. Should have did better. That's how I look at it. I don't like extending these games. Every, this is, you know, and I hate to say it uh, because <laughs> I know parents. It's funny. 
I know a lot of parents who say, yeah, participation trophies, why are they giving this shit out? Because you're not saying anything about it. That's why. And I don't think that a team that is incomplete, like the Chiefs, Mahomes is great. Fantastic to watch. Love it, love it, love it. Get a better fucking defense. You won't have to go back out there for overtime. Get the stop then if you're that good. Thank I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like the, the constant. Like everyone gets a chance to win. Fuck you. You don't. You don't get a chance to win. You lost. You didn't fucking score first. That's the end of it. They didn't get an opportunity to score first. You did. You had you had four quarters to do that. You would you didn't do it. It, it's different. Oh, I think it's had to come different. back in over, I, I overtime. They didn't blow a lead. But I think that I think that football is such a different animal than let's say hockey or basketball, where there's a lot of possession that's back and forth, up and down. Uh, it's a very slow. It's not as slow as baseball, but it's very measured. Right. That's the whole purpose of the game is to measure out what we're going to do, plan of attack, go execute it. And as the game goes on, those things change. I, I don't like the fact of, like, give them a little more time. They'll figure it out. Fuck it. You had four quarters to figure it out. You lost to a team that had a better kicker. Draft a better kicker next time. Pick heads. Like, whatever the – however you lost the coin toss. Like, <laughs> just saying, like, it just feels, it feels to me like we're, we're trying to give – we're trying to get more entertainment out of something that, that provides phenomenal entertainment if your team wins. And unfortunately, like we're watching the playoffs, and we talked about this, you know, with the NBA and, you know, before the pot even started, uh, you know, every team's going to, at the end of the season, when Golden State or Milwaukee or Toronto wins it all, the rest of the NBA is going to look at their roster, look at their coaching staff, look at their front office, right, and, and say, how can we have done this better? And in some cases, the other team's just better than you. It doesn't. The Golden State could have had a best of fifty series. They're going to win it against Portland. They're a better team. So why keep giving on unlimited opportunities when you know the rule? You know where it's. That's. It's just to me. It's like I don't think that analogy works in this scenario because it's not like you're not giving them like more games. Like you're not giving them. You're not extending an NFL like divisional rounder. Conference championship, the three game, like a best of three. But we're talking about a, a game, a, a sport that's popularity is based on a finite number of games, both home and away, a finite amount of time, and and I don't rules. Know if it's based and on all that. It's really based on the violence of the sport. I don't really know if it's based on on really number. The game itself is based on numbers, but the entertainment of the sport, I don't know about that. I think if the NFL can figure out a way to make it more about like, so here's my thing. If you're, let's say that there was an NFL game on a Sunday night and that team had to turn around and play on Thanksgiving. Right. And let's say it goes to seven overtimes because we just can't stop scoring everybody. Now you got to fucking take that's seven extra quarter or however many extra quarters in time that you just played at a very high level. Now you gotta turn around and play a shitty Thursday night football game or a Thanksgiving Day game. I just think one of the biggest issues with the NFL right now, I, I hate the Thursday night games. I think they're terrible. I don't mind Sunday yes. night, yeah. but the Thursday night games have been fucking awful and they've diluted the brand of the NFL. 
you get you get scores of six to three and three to nothing and it's just god awful shit. Stop put they put the worst teams on, they can't prepare in time, and their hope that maybe the defensive coordinator didn't see something and we're gonna score a bunch never works out. It doesn't work that way. It's not the NBA where best talent's just gonna win out. So it's it's a very different they're trying to be something they're not. And what they are is short bursts of energy with periods of rest. So if you apply that same thinking between downs, quarters, and games, it shouldn't go on any longer. There has to be a finite end to it. It's the one sport where you literally could end your career by going to overtime. The rest of them, the chances of doing it are slim and none. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it's if we keep changing the rules and changing the rules and you know, I'm not against like like they can't even figure out what a fucking catch is in the NFL anymore. And like they so I just I feel like there's a lot of stuff. They're trying to figure out they, tr- they wanted to hire Adam Silver. That was the rumor. They were going to try to hire him away from the NBA to help modernize the sport. Good fucking luck. It ain't going to happen. Adam Silver's got the best job in the world. He has a game everybody loves. It's the hottest thing in pop culture. Like He'd have to majorly fuck things up to tarnish the NBA. You know? And But the NFL, they're, they're playing it's a different. It's just a different animal. And if you're going to treat it, if you're going to be everything to everybody then you're nothing to most people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you have to be a thing. And they keep changing what they are. Just be the thing. And people will love it. They've loved it for years. I think, personally, it has to evolve, because everything evolves. Look at baseball. Baseball's been stagnant since the 70s. They're dying. And it's because they refuse to evolve their sport. I feel like... Now, football won't die out for a very long time. They're not at that point yet. But I feel like if they don't evolve things that people perceive are wrong with the game, it will start to die out a little bit. It will start to spiral a little. I mean, it'd be a very slow process, of course. It took it took hundreds of years for baseball to fall off as America's number one sport. But... I feel like eventually, over time, if you don't evolve the sport, you're going to get left behind. I think they absolutely need to like think about ways of, you know, uh, there are things that are wrong with the game that they've tried to evolve for revenue purposes, like Thursday night football, right? That's a bad. That's a bad call. They should just get rid of that. Like that. That's yeah. just something they should get rid of. It's, it, it dilutes the quality of the brand. So if if giving let's say giving an, uh, giving both teams a chance to have the ball in overtime regardless of whether they get a touchdown or not does not dilute the brand and people love it fucking great I'm I'm all I'm, ha- I'm happy for it I just feel like from a just from a like looking at the odds of someone getting hurt and looking at the schedules they play just you got to end it they know the risk. Yeah, but NFL players under—they've been playing football all their lives. No, if you're I'm in the not, NFL, you no, know the risk. I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about as a player. I'm talking about as if my favorite player is Aaron Rodgers, and he's being asked to play an extra 45 minutes of football, and he takes that hit that knocks him out for the season. We're fucking done. I'd rather take the L on that Sunday than watch my star quarterback get knocked out of the game. That's all. So to me, it's like, like I said, it's a finite thing. You have a finite amount of impact your body can take before you're done. 
and all we're doing by changing the rules for who can score more is increasing the odds that that happens, that you get hurt. That's all. And I mean, it's, it's gonna, that dilutes the brand. Now you got the third string quarterback in, in five overtimes. I mean, it's, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that shit. That's why the AAC or whatever the fuck it was called failed. Or the AFL or whatever the latest debacle was. That was terrible football. It's like watching a good high school game at best. Well, yeah, that's why it died. I mean, <laughs> I I see your point. I get your point that the talent is what drives that league, right? The talent is what drives that league. If guys can't yeah. throw, catch, run, whatever, now you're talking about diluting the talent. So the more they play, this is just a simple chart. The more they play, the higher the the risk is of them getting injured. I don't want them playing more. I'd rather see four quarters of phenomenal football, and if I lose on a field goal, I lose. But at least I got my guy. It's it, again, you know, and the Patriots are a great example of this, and all these teams that can win, great coaching, great players, great drafting, great training, and they stay healthy. Health is one of the biggest factors. This is why Portland shit the bed, right? In the NBA games, Dame's hurt, Cantor's hurt, Nurkic is out. Health. So why increase the risk of their health? being jeopardized. It doesn't make sense to me. I'd rather just have the game over, move on to the, the 4 o'clock games. You know what I mean? I get it from that sense, but, I mean, I just feel like it isn't... The system doesn't really... It just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem that a, a coin flip should be deciding who goes home. I, it, like, they... They did this with the NBA draft back in the day. They did coin flips as he was getting a number one pick. I mean, they still kind of do. There's only two teams, so a coin flip works. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't do a coin flip with more than two teams. All right, let's make it. Let's bring it into the 22nd century here. Maybe not. Maybe devolving it. The person, the team that wins the coin, the, the the team that gets the ball in overtime. The other team gets to pick out one player from the opposing team. Oh, God. Those, oh. <laughs> they just take out their quarterback every time. <laughs> and those – now, let me finish because you never know. You know, big hands. But they have to show their dicks, and that's who gets the ball. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right. No. All right. <laughs> 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 that just came out of left field. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's going on the one-year episode for sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you guys going to say that they hit each other or something or race each other or something stupid? Bro, yeah. that's what they did. The, remember the XFL? Yeah, no. That's the... Bro, the, 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 the side you got the offers, they do... What was that drill called? I don't remember. The Oklahoma drill? just like... Were they like oh, they, was in Oklahoma? They th- they had a sprint from the, the and they had a sprint and whoever got to the first. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Oh my God! What? All right, I think that's like we're good. We're good. Show. Oh, it'll be fun for yeah. a couple weeks. Like the AA. All right, I, rest in peace. I think I think it's time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this, all right. Uh, so this is episode forty-one of I'm Walking Here. Uh, special thank you to Dave for joining. You can uh, follow Dave on Twitter at dbinkowski, spelled B-I-N-K-O-W-S-K-I. 
I think I spelled that right. I don't know. CTE uh, is a beautiful thing. Um, before the podcast, you got it, huh? You got it. Awesome, awesome. My CTA ain't that bad anymore. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at IWH Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ian Cusick, spelled C U S I C K. You can follow Bryce on Twitter at It's Briz, I T S B R I Z Z. And that will do it. Thank you for listening and have a good night.